It's the last Sunday before the beginning of Lent. This Tuesday, we will celebrate the end of ordinary time with a big feast and a party, symbolizing the clearing out of all the extra, the fattening, the distracting, the indulgent. And as a public service announcement, don't forget to get your reservation in for our Mardi Gras party coming on Tuesday. And then the very next day, with the echoes of Mardi Gras still ringing in our ears, we will kneel down and confess that we are only dust, unworthy of the love bestowed on us by God. And then we will begin the hard work of clearing out the spiritual and emotional extra those things that get in the way of a clear and purposeful view of God and our journey of faith, we will begin Lent. It's not a coincidence that transfiguration, when the disciples witness that dazzling vision of the transfigured Christ, comes directly before Lent, when we are doing some admittedly less dazzling, changing and transforming of our own. I like this story. I like it for the same reason I like most of the stories that involve Peter and his friends. I can so relate to this one. I know that feeling. Something incredible is happening right in front of me, and all I can think about is what I'm supposed to do about it. Anyone who has ever missed the table fellowship of Thanksgiving dinner because he was fretfully cooking in the kitchen, anyone who has missed actually seeing her child's first steps because she was rushing around trying to change the batteries in the camera, or anyone who has walked through a museum with his head down in a guidebook, they know these feelings too. We all know these feelings. Jesus takes his friends up a mountain, and right before them, in front of their eyes, his countenance is changed from their slightly more than ordinary friend and rabbi, Jesus, to something otherworldly. Dazzling white, our translation tells us, with the face shining like the sun, and then emphasizing this miracle, Moses and Elijah, patriarch and prophet, are suddenly there with him. And what is Peter's response to the incredible event right there in front of him? He does the first century equivalent of changing the batteries in his camera. Wow, Jesus, this is amazing. James and John and I will go get some sticks and build some stuff. Bless his heart, Peter. His mistake actually came to fruition the minute he opened his mouth. Because from this vantage point, with 2,000 years of 2020 hindsight, I can see pretty clearly that the best thing to do when Moses and Elijah show up and stand alongside the Messiah, the best thing to do is shut your mouth and open your ears. The best thing to do is nothing at all. Peter receives the divine smack to the back of the head he deserves 
in the form of a voice straight from God that interrupts him mid-sentence and says, Listen. Listen. We don't hear that voice very often, do we? Building a dwelling for Moses is not a bad thing. But when we start looking around for sticks instead of looking up at what is being revealed to us, we not only miss the point, we miss the experience. When we are filling space with our own words and agendas, we are missing the voice of God that says, listen. Our bishop, Rob Wright, preached at the Consortium of Endowed Episcopal Parishes here in Atlanta this weekend. He said something that will stick with me for the rest of my journey. The most interesting thing about the church is God. That seems really obvious. Rather like standing still in front of the transfigured Christ might be obvious. But just as we disciples messed up that one, we seem to constantly try to be more relevant, more programmatically diverse, more worshipful, more interesting than the God we are supposed to be looking at and listening to above all else. The transfiguration comes around every year before Lent. And in Lent, we have yet another chance for a reset We have a chance to do the hard work of soul transformation, to stand still before Christ and see if a little of that dazzle can cast some light into the dark places of our hearts. In Lent, we can take a minute or 40 days to look inward, not at our belly buttons, not necessarily even at our flaws, but at those things that are trying to drag our attention away. Those things that are trying to present themselves in our line of sight as more interesting than God. And there are many of them. You know what they are. Some of them are life's necessities, our jobs, our family's needs. Some of the things getting in the way of our clear sight are our addictions or our weak spots, bad habits, neglectful behaviors. Those are the easy ones to spot. Then there are the harder ones to identify. There are those things we do because we have convinced ourselves that through our actions, we will be closer to God. These are admittedly the hardest things for me to sort out. These are the times when I am most like Peter, pushing my own voice into the void, looking for something, anything, to do to make me seen or known, to make me feel important or needed or pious or right. These are the things I do and I say because I believe I will be more loved by God and by my community by doing and saying them. It is in these good-hearted and good-intentioned practices that I sometimes find myself drowning. And I need that loving, divine smack to the back of my head saying, Listen. Listen. Listen.
Listen to the beloved Son. Listen to Christ. And what did they hear? Peter, James, and John, when they did finally shut their mouths and open their ears. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There is a message out there that the church is flailing, that mainstream Christianity is no longer attracting people into its pews. It isn't a good prognosis. And there is market research telling us how to pull in our target audience. And there are religious pundits telling us that we are irrelevant. And there are megachurch leaders telling us how to spin the message to get the results that we want. And it is all very, very interesting. It is stimulating discussion. And it is really panic-inducing for those of us who believe deeply in the benefits of a church community. And so I start to think about what to do next. How to respond so that our church doesn't become one of the statistics... And then I hear the, vis- the voice of Bishop Wright. The only thing interesting about the church is God. And then I hear the voice of God. Listen. And then the voice of Christ. Do not be afraid. The world is changing. The church is changing. Change is constant, and change is natural. But so is God constant. There is work that needs to be done, my friends. There are people to feed. There is a church that needs to stay relevant. It does. We will need to be out in front of some of these changes, and the work is not insignificant. But the work is not the most interesting thing about our church. The changes aren't either. And actually, we aren't the most interesting thing about the church. We, the people of this church. God. God is the most most interesting thing about our church. And we need to stop running around trying to make ourselves important and stop and listen to what our God is saying to us. Do not be afraid. Lent is almost upon us. In the 40 days of this holy season, I invite you to begin figuring out how to reorient yourself and our community to the most interesting thing about us. God. Listen. God is calling. Do not be afraid. Amen.